Hello and welcome to a Thanksgiving edition of Metal Mayhem ROC. I'm your host, John the Vernomatic Verno, and my metal partner, Metal Forever Mark, we want to wish you a happy holiday season. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode, and going up to the end of the year, we have a few more feature interviews, and we're getting ready for some exciting things in 2021. Enjoy the weekend, folks. Happy holidays. Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music. Interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. Now, welcome our hosts, John the Vernomatic Verno and Metal Forever Mark. Oh, it's certainly getting nice and heavy. It's Thursday night, it's 8 p.m., and it's time for Metal Mayhem ROC. I'm your host, John the Vernomatic Verno, along with my partner in metal crime, Metal Forever Mark. Hello, Vernomatic, and uh, Mark Weiss, thanks for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. The Weiss guy, he's <laughs> here with a new book, The Decade That Rocked, 1980 through 1990. Mark is a... Uh, 40-year veteran of rock and roll photography. He put together a rock and roll book chronicling some of the best pictures he's taken, had thousands of stories, some of the album covers he's done, some of the best album covers in the history of rock and roll. And we want to thank him for joining. Mark, how are you, buddy? Thanks for the intro. I really appreciate it. So we decided to do a book. And how did we come about this? Uh, is it an end of the career thing? Were you cleaning the, the, the vaults and said, let's do something with this? How did this come about? I didn't know we did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing. Uh, yeah, it, I felt like uh, it, it was such an undertaking. And when I got into this, I signed my contract seven years ago, believe it or not. And two years into it, uh, we decided to change the theme of it. Uh, originally, it was going to just be a book of uh, hair metal. Like, you know, I thought it would be an easy book to do. Just, you know, bands that their highest hair, you know, 1985, 1986, when everyone had high hair, even Ozzy. <laughs> yeah. So that was going to be the, that was going to be it. And then after a couple of years into it, I was like, do I really want this to be my first book? And and then I said to myself, all right, I got a little taste of it. I know where we need to go. I think I'm going to dig into this. Let's make this a narrative. Let's make it a, be about my life and how I started it and then how, you know, how it shaped me and, and just kind of make it kind of historic, you know, a little bit of a history timeline and how my photography kind of like trickled through the 80s, kind of shaped, shaped the look of the sound of the 80s, you know, through, through my photography. And, and so that's how it ended up and it was just a really uh big undertaking and i you know took my time on it and it it's just an editing process after i got to a certain part um but uh yeah it was uh, definitely a, a work in progress until uh until we closed the chapter you know about seven months ago and then we went into final uh edits and we got it to almost 400 pages and six pounds, one ounce, over 700 photos, and there we are. 
while doing research and reading the bio, the story is great how you got the first camera. Explain how you did get into it and some of your early career adventures. Well, I, I got into photography. I got my first camera by uh, being this 12-year-old uh, kid, you know, going, going around my neighborhood mowing, mowing lawns for $5. And one guy uh, that usually cuts it uh, didn't seem like he cut it for a few weeks. So I thought maybe his mower was broken or it was just lazy or something. <laughs> So I knocked on his door and I said, Hey, it's Mark, you know, I live down the street. Uh, I cut, you know, neighbors, you know, everyone's lawn in the area. It looks like you need a cut. And he goes, no, I cut up myself. I said, it doesn't really look that way. And he kind of like, you know, snickered at me, you know, and thought I was like a smart ass. And then he's like, but I'll tell you what, I'll give you, um, I'll give you this camera. And he came back with this 35 millimeter Bell and Howell camera. Uh, if you mow my lawn for the season. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll do that. I, you know, at that time I had no interest in it. I just saw this, thought maybe I could like hawk it at the pawn shop or something, you know, make a few bucks. But then when I got it, it looked pretty cool. And I, I, I started looking into it and, uh, and then I started taking pictures and that's how I got, got started in taking pictures. And I, this is before I was involved with music. I used to just take pictures of my dog and my brother riding his motorcycle and things like that. Wow, what year was this? Mid seventies, early seventies? Early seventies, like seventy three or four, something like that. I was twelve. I was twelve. Okay. And and then fast forward a year, I started getting into music. Uh my brother took me to some concerts. He was a couple years older than me. And he started he had a garage band that he, he used to play down the street and I used to go check it out. He used to have you know, he used to buy the, the albums. I started getting familiar with albums. And uh, he had a subscription to Circus Magazine. So, you know, I was just the hand-me-down guy and kind of like took to all of it. And being the younger brother, wanted to be like my older brother, you know, around him and his friends. Mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of gravitated that over there. And then I just started uh, uh, going to concerts. And then one day, a friend of mine, a friend of the family, uh, we saw at a concert, because we still was National Young at Roosevelt Stadium in Jersey city. And, uh, he, we, we just happened to bump into him and he had this camera around him and he's two hot girls. And he started walking towards the front of the stage and we, you know, we just happened to bump into him after that is 50,000 people. And he told, he told me he was going to the, to the front of the stage to take some pictures. And we kind of, I kind of watched him go into the, into the crowd and to know, you know, by the, by the front. And then like a, a few weeks later, I went to their house and I saw these pictures and I just thought it was pretty cool. You know, he had the pictures hanging up in his room. He had a black light, you know, you know, it was, uh, it was an experience. And then I was like, Hey, this is pretty cool. It's, I, I like to do that. I yeah. Got a you camera, caught you the know? bug, the rock and roll bug. You're like, ah, there's girls. That's fun here at the shows. Yeah. By the way, I yeah. cut a guy's grass one time. He had no money and he gave me a Budweiser clock <laughs> and I still have it, but I mean, I wish I got a camera. <laughs> So you grew up in the New York uh, or New Jersey area, and so a lot of shows up in New York. How how did you take the uh, photography to the next level? I started going to a lot of the shows at the Garden, Peter Frampton, Jethro Tull, Boston, Aerosmith, Queen, and then uh, and I used to like uh, take the pictures and develop them in my garage and bring them to school the next day. And a couple couple of the kids said, "Hey, you know." they went to the show and they wanted to buy them from me. So I said, okay, cool. So then I started selling them out of my locker. And then I, and then I used to go into the city and, and sell them at the concerts. So like 
you know, when bands would play a couple nights in a row, I would go the first night, stay up all night and then sell them for a buck a piece the next day on the train uh, at my school and uh, and in front of the concert. And then at, in 77, when Kiss played, they were cracking down on all the boot sellers on the on the bootleggers. And I was one of them, you know, like, you know, I was this 17 year old kid taking, you know, selling my photos for a buck a piece along with the shirt sellers. And I ended up in the paddy wagon and went, went to jail overnight. And then the next day I went to circus magazine. I just, you know, picked up the magazine that we had in the house and I looked at the address and said, you know, let me show my stuff. And, you know, maybe I can do something with that. And it was just good timing. Uh, the secretary took a liking to me. She said, hang out. The uh, art director's off deadline uh, in a little bit. And, you know, maybe they'll come out and talk to you. So that's what happened. And and a few months later, I submitted a photo of Stephen Tyler of Aerosmith. And it ended up being the centerfold. And the rest is kind of like, that's how kind of I got broken into the business. And every, every, every time, like, they needed uh, more pictures, I would you know, I would have them. And then eventually I worked for them and, uh, on assignment and everything kind of just snowballed, you know, one shoot led to another and, you know, I kept meeting people and it just snowballed until to where I am today, basically. Hey Mark. Um, so first of all, uh, congratulations. I mean, the book is just awesome. Your publicist sent us uh, a link. So we were able to kind of see the full book. It, it's, it's definitely a must have. And it was interesting because I'm trolling through pictures and there's so many that you just recognize, whether they're from albums or from the magazines back in the day, or I think I even sent you a, a, an email saying the, the girl that had the Judas priest sign up. I remember having a crush on her back when I was in high school and whatever, but I mean, you mentioned a whole other, before I go into some of that stuff though, uh, you mentioned a whole bunch of uh, other bands that I guess were not really rock or metal, but then as time progressed, it seems like you got way more into the metal stuff were you always like a metal fan or a rock fan or did you just like all music and you just happened to kind of start shooting a lot more metal bands because they were around more that time? Can you talk just how you kind of got more into this, the metal side of things? Um, yeah, well, well, and I, I mean, I like Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith, Ted Nugent. I mean, I kind of liked hard rock, you know, and but also I used to hang out at Max's Kansas City and CBGB's uh, in the late 70s. I was just you know, 18, 19, and you, you know, you can be 18 and go into bars then. And I just used to like hanging out at all the little punk rock. I used to hang out with the punk rockers and, uh, you know, well, the, they were just cool looking. I just loved, you know, the energy and the coolness of it. Um, and so I kind of gravitated to that, you know, I, I was into image. So that's where, that's where my interest was, were bands with image. And then when Van Halen came out and Judas Priest and ACDC, it's like more bands. And I, I kind of liked the groove of it. It was kind of very Aerosmithy, Zeppelin-y. And I, I just uh, gravitated to that. And then I started getting um, uh, assignments uh, from cover bands that played Led Zeppelin, you know, like this band called White Tiger. Uh, it hired me to do a photo shoot with them and I started hanging out with them a lot and a lot of girls around. So it turned out to be a, like a scene, like a, you know, a culture. And I just gravitated to it. I was perfect days to, you know, to, to find my own and every, like everyone else, my age, you know, we were all kind of looking for our own thing and we kind of just kind of, it kind of morphed into what it, what it, what it ended up being for, you know, till today, really. I mean, you know, there's, there's kids, 
that were my age back then, you know, 17 mm-hmm. now that love, love this kind of music, which what, is great. What I was always curious about, did you go on tour with the bands or how did your work schedule go? Like, did you, your dispatchers say, all right, Weiss, you're uh, following Aerosmith for three dates and then you're picking up Boston and then you're doing this or that. How did, how does that logistics work out? That's just kind of word of mouth. It's just me being a squeaky wheel and me just wanting to go have fun with the bands and finding out when they were going on tour and knowing that if I do a photo shoot uh, with the band on the road, that the magazines will buy them from me. So most of my photography was on spec, except for album covers and things like that. So I would just go from, you know, going on the road with Molly Crew to Rad or Dawkin or Cinderella or Ozzy. You know, I would just bounce around from all tour to tour. So I would go out for, you know, anywhere from, a, a, from you know, a, a day in the area. Because there's, you know, I'm in, I'm in the area where if by me, I could shoot Philly, Nassau, New York City and New Jersey. So there's like three or four shows of a band that I can hit while they're in, in my area and I could stay in my house. But you know, it was always fun going like to, you know, any town USA and travel with the band, like go on the tour bus, go on the bunks and hang out. I mean, that was to me, that was like a vacation get away from the, the office and and just like be like one of the band guys and just hang out and party with them and take pictures. So that happened like throughout the 80s. That really never stopped. Have, uh, have you ever shot in Rochester? You ever make it up here? Oh, yeah, definitely. Where sure. who'd you shoot I, in Rochester and where? I, I couldn't. I couldn't even tell you who I shot like last week. Uh, <laughs> what venue? Rochester War Memorial uh, Auditorium, or it's all blur at this point. It, it's it's all blur, but all that sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was just like you know, it was just fun. We were like traveling gypsies, going into town, going in overnight, and staying over sometimes, and then partying with the locals, and then leaving the next morning and getting to the next city. It's cool. So, Mark, so how do you then kind of transition from being, I guess, uh, you know, one of the guys that are out on the road, and I'm sure a lot of the artists and bands started getting to know you because, you know, you kept popping up everywhere and shooting photos. and But then you kind of transition into becoming either friends with a lot of them. They, you know, they show up at your wedding or you, uh, you know, become almost like a trusted advisor. I mean, I know you had talked about maybe, you know, helping Ozzy discover Zach Wilde. So how do you... How did that kind of morph? Is it just because you just started developing these relationships and then you kind of built a trust and kind of took off from there? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the bands, were, they were just starting out. You know, like Cinderella just started out. I did their album cover before they even, you know, the first album. A lot of bands. Uh, and same with Bon Jovi and Guns N' Roses, you know. I shot them, I shot Guns right even before their album was released. So you kind of, you know, you kind of, you're in their trust in the beginning. And, and I, you know, I never took advantage of anything. I never took anything for granted. I always give everyone the respect, you know, even if they were just starting out, they were talented, you know, it's like, they got to, if they can get a rec, someone get a record deal, you know, uh, you got to give them credit, you know, however they did it, you know, music, uh, business, it was a hard business, you know? And, uh, I just kind of grew with them and became friends. I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, every time I did a, a new photo shoot, it's like I'd have four or five new friends that I end up with, you know, till even till today, you know, 40 years later, I always, you know, keep my, my friends, you know, through the, through the decades, you know, during ups and downs. Uh, that's part of that, that whole decade. Everyone was kind of tight. It was not really, 
competitive. Yeah, there was a couple, you know, they always had those band rivalries and stuff, but not a lot, you know, usually bands, you know, they, you had your, them open up for you and then they would be the next big band. And then maybe the band that they opened up for now, they're on the headline and then they give someone else a chance. We're talking with Mark Weiss, his new book, The Decade That Rocked, 1980 through 1990. Mark, when you were out there shooting all these bands and everything, what magazines were you, were you uh, contributing to? You had Cream, you had Circus, you had Hit Parader. Was there any uh, overseas stuff you worked with, Kerrangs or? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I started with pretty much with Circus. Then I branched off into Faces Magazine, which a friend of mine, Michael Kirk, we did a lot of. Uh, he started it, so we got a lot of did a lot of different cover shoots for that. Um, also. I was doing things for We Magazine where I would shoot rock stars and naked women. So that was like a, every month we did a different rock, a rock band or a rock star. And, you know, Hit Parader, Cream, all those magazines, Metal Edge, you know, I, I would just submit. It was, they would, it was like, uh, they were kind of like fanzines. So if I did a photo shoot with, you know, uh, Bon Jovi and shot him against three backgrounds, I would give one background to Hit Parader, one to Circus, and one to Faces, and, you know, make money on all three of them. And then if they wanted pictures, uh, they wanted more of a serious shoot where it's not just a background, then, then the bands would usually hire me, and they used some photography for merchandise and things like that. Let's, so, let's talk some bands. Uh, how was it shooting Van Halen into 1981 Fair Warning time? Because that tour, that tour was, I personally think, like the pinnacle of what they were doing. It was that that stage was fantastic. Was that were those your shots that were on my bedroom wall? Um, probably. I mean, they gave me a lot of access. I shot them. I first shot Van Halen in 1979. It was one of my first assignments for Circus, and it's the first time I met Eddie backstage actually there's a picture in the book full page of eddie you know smiling backstage at convention hall in asbury park mm-hmm. and then uh, a couple of years later i shot him or a year later i shot the, the invasion tour um they were in the area so i got a photo pass and then i then i did some work for us magazine which gave me a lot of access to some mainstream when a lot of the rock bands were going mainstream, so they wanted to be covered. And I was the photographer for us magazine. So that gave me a lot of access. And, uh, that's kind of like the first time I got to really know Van Halen because they spent a few days with them, uh, backstage, you know, they, you know, they wanted to show the world, you know, that they were just, you know, a heavy metal rock band. They want to show them that they were, they were the thing. So, uh, I basically followed them around and I got to know them. And then the next tour, they hired me to do some shows and then the next one. Um, and then when Sammy joined the band, uh, I was hired to do their tour book. So, you know, it just keeps going. But yeah, the 81 tour was awesome. I mean, Jesus Christ there. It was, you know, it was, it was one of those bands that every night was a party. You know, they had the whole thing going. They had, you know, they gave out the backstage passes to the, yeah. the, the roadies and they gave, you know, Dave gave me a few. And if, if you ended up, if David ended up with, with one of those roadies, one of the girls, you know, they throw you a hundred. You know, I think there was like a bonus or something. Yeah. I got, I got to ask you something. Was it, did they really have the grid at the front of the stage where it was like a, like a one through 10 going left or right? Oh, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. he would go down and say, uh, a eight and 
The, yeah, the, yeah, it was like it was like bingo. Yeah, we had Greg Renoff on a couple of weeks ago, the you know the author of the Van Halen Rising yeah. and New Templeman and yeah, uh, the, the Van Halen the the, the debauchery is legendary. What about like uh, people like Nikki Six? Um, he seemed to be so hands on. Was there ever, ever a time when you know when you're shooting Motley Crue and the vision that he had for that band was just uh, astounding? Um. Yeah, he, like the gangster shoot that we did, you know, that was all him. He told me what he wanted uh, for the Theater of Pain. You know, we did some straight photos around some different sets. He wanted it to be different. Uh, that's when they went, you know, really glam, uh, 85, I believe. And he wanted this gangster out shoot. So uh, they all got, we all got him uh, Tommy guns and we we got a Rolls, old Rolls Royce from, one of the movies back from uh, one of the gangster movies. I think they used it in. I got a backdrop and smoke and the whole, it was a big production and it ended up being in the tour book and posters and all this and that. So yeah, he's pretty visionary. Uh, but when you say he was hands-on, uh, I was t- I'll tell you a story that when I first went on tour with them, when I was with Ozzy, they opened up. I I knew them. I, I shot them in 82 for Wii Magazine with the Naked Women and Motorcycles. And that's how we first met on that shoot. So we kind of became friends pretty quick. And then in 83, they played the Us Festival, which I was at. And I shot them there. And then when they went on tour with Ozzy, I was shooting Ozzy. And, uh, of course, they were, you know, they were... I was shooting them on theaters, but now they're opening for Ozzy and arenas. So uh, they asked me if I, Nikki asked me if I wanted to go on their bus, you know, for a few shows. And I said, sure, why not? I asked, you know, I asked Sharon and she said, yeah, uh, fun. And so as he was uh, getting on the bus, you know, Tommy Lee was on in the driver's side and he kind of put his foot down and he wouldn't let me go by. He like stopped me. And then, and then Nikki kind of grabbed me and started biting my leg. And he's like, draw blood. I'm like, what do you mean? Draw blood? He goes, draw blood. And I didn't know what he was talking about. So he wanted me to bite him back basically until he (laughs) bled. So, so this went on for a while. And meanwhile, Tommy's drinking the Jack Daniels and sooner, sooner, you know, soon enough, like I, they started pouring down the Jack down my throat. Cause I started getting, I was in pain, you know? And then I got, I got enough Jack in me where I had the balls to bite him back. And I did and drew blood and they let me in. <laughs> <laughs> Guess that's the Motley Crue writer passage. Then. Blood brothers. Well, um, yeah. So, so I, I wasn't the only victim. I hear that it was, uh, it was a ritual whenever they had a new visitor. I guess it's the way they show that they, they liked you. Hey, Mark, it was, um, as I was doing a little bit of show research as well, I noticed like Sebastian Bach uh, had the unboxing uh, video on YouTube and his reaction was freaking awesome. Cause he's just like, you know, looking at all these old photos and going, man, I can't believe that one. And how has this whole thing kind of changed now with, you know, when the internet came out and then, you know, not having to wait to get the, you know, developed photo in the green, you know, in the, in the dark room, like, How's this whole thing morphed as times progress? Yeah, well, you know, it definitely made it easier. You know, you don't have to go run to the to the store to buy film. I used to hate doing that. I used to hate dropping the film off and and going through all that ritual. You know, especially when I was traveling, you'd have to go take the film out and not go through the 
you know, the detector and sometimes you get in a fight with them because they said it's okay to go through. So it was a real pain. So that was good. You know, the thing with digital, you can just shoot so many photographs and then you got to spend, you spend more time editing them than, than you do shooting them. But you know, you get, you get the images at least, you know, and it doesn't cost anything. I, I like shooting digital. Uh, as far as the internet goes, you know, uh, it's it's easy to find out where bands are you know before i used to like just you just have to like find out through the publicists when the bands are coming around or you just gotta listen to the radio and you knew when the bands were coming around and you know you usually knew when the bands were starting their tour and i would try to get on the the first few weeks of, the, of each tour so you know it's just a lot more homework and a lot more on the phone we didn't have internet so you have to go on the phone and i used to hate calling people up you know, waiting for the call back. Now it's just, you send an email and you just keep following up until they get back to you. And if they don't get back to you, then you, then you call. You mentioned uh, shooting the crew at the us festival. What was that us, us festival? Like, I mean, I, I've followed it for years and. Oh you know, yeah. I mean, there's just so many great videos and it's just the, the fans. I mean, you were right there front row. Like, were you backstage in the pit? Would you move around? Like, where were you for that whole thing? Yeah. I mean, I was there for Ozzy mostly, um, but, you know, I, I kind of went wherever I needed to go. I got, you know, I found Motley. I saw Quiet Riot. I just, you know, bounced around. It was amazing. There's all those people out there. No one really expected the heavy metal day to do so well, but it really did better than New Wave Day and Rock Day. Um, and that's really, after that After that historic show, I mean, a lot of the record companies took notice Uh Shortly after that, Quiet Riot had a number one album on the Billboard charts. Like first heavy metal band to go number one. It was right yeah. after. Right after that, I remember that. It was, yeah, yeah, and they were just an opening band for I think Iron Maiden at the time, or or Judas, one of those bands, Judas Priest, or maybe I, Maiden. I saw them open for Sabbath. Uh, the yeah, oh, maybe it was Sabbath. Born Again, but you know how those tours always mixed up. Is there anyone yeah. that you didn't shoot that you wish you did? Not, not, not in the genre, not in the 80s, really. I kind of shot everybody. <laughs> yeah. I would I would have liked to have gone on the road with like the Stones or Zeppelin, of course, in the 70s. That would have been cool. Uh, or the 80s or even now. But, you know, it, my, it just didn't work out. I never really pursued it. And uh, I just kind of went where, where, where I was wanted, you know, and where I kind of, where the where the doors opened so uh, you even got a photo of uh jessica han and sam kinnison here too i kind of forgot about those two in that video that they shot so um oh yeah and- the wild thing video <laughs> yeah yeah i would always like to go to the, the video shoots because they were all everyone was in hair and makeup and they had some downtime to do photo shoots and i always took advantage of all that time to get all these photographs so i was uh, out there uh doing that you know, a lot of special guests there. So it was like a free for all. And then Jessica Hahn. So I always like, you know, pull them off to the side to set up a little studio. And that's where I got the shot of Jessica and, uh, and Sam Kennison. And speaking of rock video, heavy metal videos, you were at the classic, uh, warrant cherry pie video shoot. There's some awesome photos from that one. Uh, how did you find out about these video shoots going on? And, and I imagine they were going on all over the place, right? Probably in LA and New York and, yeah, most of them were in L.A., so I was out in L.A. a lot. Uh, I used to stay at 
Don Dawkins' house and Kevin Dubrow. They always they gave me keys to their house when they were on the tour, so I had you know I could stay there for a while and not have to worry about a hotel. And uh, you know, the, I would go out there for like for one shoot, and then I ended up there for like a, a month or so, and just keep you know people people actually thought I was I lived out there because I was out there so much. Uh, but I found out by just keeping my ears open and you know keeping you know keeping contacts with the, with the uh video directors and even even assistants and gophers and and the record company so it's just really you know keeping your ears, ears to the uh ears open and just you know making sure you you know you find out about it so we're talking with mark weiss his new book the decade that rocked 1980 through 1990 uh, I've been uh, doing a little research, and you have a program going on. Anyone in any fans in this book, if they spot themselves, has anyone contacted you and said, "Hey, that's me in Carolina in '88"? Yeah, well, the the actually the the girl in Judas Priest, <laughs> I was uh, ask you about her. she she reached out to me, and she was all freaked out. She actually has the original sign and the tickets and. Uh, and some really good stories. She actually went backstage at, after that show, and that photo was a color photo in Circus Magazine back in the day. And then yeah. when she saw it, when she saw the photo in there as a double page spread, she just like flipped out. And uh, <laughs> awesome. we've, we've been in contact with each other. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna like on my site now. I'm, I'm actually looking for the three girls that are that were at the Def Leppard concert in 1984, I think it was. And there's a picture of them. They're holding up panties, and and it's on my site, thedecadethatrock.com. So I'm trying to find one of those girls, and if they if they kind of like locate me, and they can prove that's them, I was going to give them like a, a print from that show and the print with their with their girlfriends, you know, and uh, and a t-shirt. So that's that's something I'm going to be uh, doing more of. That's awesome. I guess now with Facebook and Twitter and everything, with social media, you could post all that stuff up so that's pretty cool Definitely. any thought about doing a um want a follow-up but maybe a book from the 70s because you shot a lot in the 70s uh i don't think i'm gonna do one on the 70s but i think the next one's gonna be well i want the next one to be one band whether it's bon jovi or guns and roses or motley or or uh, ozzy and then uh because i was really wanted a tour and do a book tour. And because of the pandemic, obviously everything was shut down. I was going to like shadow a lot of the, like the stadium tour, like Molly would be playing. And maybe I, you know, I was trying to make arrangements with live nation where, you know, I could set something up the day before, do some promo, go on some radio stations, do some charity events, a book signing. And, uh, and then, you know, shoot the show, you know, and do that and follow them around then go out with, uh, you know, Sammy Hager or White Snake or whoever. There were so many tours going going to happen this summer. I, I was going to get a, a Winnebago and just travel around the country. Yeah. Uh, so so since that didn't happen, uh, it, you know, when it does happen, everyone's like a year from now, let's say, and and that's if we're lucky. So that's what I want to do. But but so I I have like a year to put up, come up with another book, and I want to do another book with one of the artists, and then I can do like a book tour and promote both of those books. So that's kind of like the plan. Where can people find this book? Uh, well, Mark Weiss guy is on Twitter and, and my Instagram and my Facebook, Mark Weiss guy, mm-hmm. W E I S S G U Y. 
and uh, and uh, the decade that rock.com is really my brand. So I have a YouTube channel that has a bunch of stuff on it, interviews, uh, talking about me, talking about the time, a lot of different people on it, uh, have some of the reviews. And uh, the, I have a merch shop where I have signed prints, a T-shirt, T-shirts, um, the book, selling the book, you know, with postcards and, you know, sign them, personalize them with a little message and note. So, uh, yeah, the decade that rock.com is definitely across the board. Plus, I have the decade that rock.com Instagram and Facebook as well. So basically just search decade that rock and we'll we'll uh, have all this on our Facebook. Yeah, we'll tag page. them out when we post the interview. All right, cool. Yeah. All right, well, um, <clears throat> we just want to get into the last segment on the uh, Mount Rushmore, and uh, we'll see what your thoughts are on some of your top shoots. Many have tried. Most have failed. Only a few survived. This is the Mount Rushmore of metal. We're here with Mark Weiss, wise guy, his new book, The Decade That Rocked, 1980 through 1990. So, Mark, uh, your Rushmore top four artists that you shot uh well the the bands that i shot that i would say are on mount rushmore would be uh guns and roses uh at cbgb's uh i would say bon jovi uh when i did the slip room wet because that was such a like you know that was like four or five shoots that was just like a craziness you know from the girl being you know, using the girl on the cover, then ended up being the plastic bag. Uh, and then, uh, uh, oh, the Stay Hungry shoot was, yeah. was pretty pretty cool. That that kind of gave me my, my big start Wasn't with doing like, album covers. I read somewhere that it was like a 22-hour shoot. Yeah, it was. A tw- I really beat those guys down for <laughs> sure. Yeah. And we didn't get the shot until the very, at the very end uh, when D stuck around and kind of like just grabbed the bone and just started going crazy and, so, and yeah. the story with the bone some some butcher brought it no i actually went down a week before to get this bone because mark the animal mendoza came up with this idea to shoot the band in their persona you know with makeup and then in street clothes and we we're gonna have uh like you know these rats in the room and and so i built this room and they were supposed to be in it together they wanted like a, a bone, you know, stay hungry. So I went out to the butcher down the street and got this big, I said, how much is that bone? Cause you could have it, you know? So I just, I grabbed the bone and I just left it in there. It stunk. It was in the studio for like a week. Oh man. And then, and then a couple of the guys in the band were like, you know, kidding around and weren't really giving me it. And D was kind of like pretty calm. Like he was just, he didn't want to overshadow him. So he wasn't really giving me, is his most, and it's the first time I met these guys, really, you know, and, and at the shoot. You know, we got a lot of cool shots, but we really didn't get the shot, you know. We didn't know until later that we didn't get it. At the end, I just said, hey, D, you want to, I actually asked everyone, anyone want to stick around and do some more individuals? And everyone's like, no, no, we're, we're getting out of here, we're going. And then D's like, I'll stick around. And it's almost like he, he wanted me to, like, ask him to stick around, you know, because you know he really w- didn't give me this i knew he had more in him and i i just met him so i didn't really know what he had but once i had him to to him to myself and i threw the bone at him he started going crazy you know 
And and that was the last shot of the frame of 36 uh, 36 frames on, on the on the camera roll. And that was the shot we ended up using. And then that ended up being, it's like one of the most iconic metal CD covers of all time, right? And it was, like you said, the last one. It's crazy yeah. how that yeah. happens. Hey, Mark, I got, so another Mount Rushmore. And um, as I was going through this book, I'm seeing all these great photos of all these bands and um, artists. And then I'm like, well, the, the 80s was also the decade of all this backstage debauchery and heavy metal women and <laughs> women in videos. And lo and behold, we get to the New York 82 pages and here's all these photos with these women. Are there four photo shoots that involved uh, heavy metal girls, I guess, for lack of a better term, that stick out in your mind from uh, the ones yeah, that you featured? Def- yeah, I would say that that's definitely a Mount Rushmore, the Motley, <laughs> the, the Motley Crew with the girls, because, you know, first we got together and we talked about the shoot, you know, a couple of weeks before, and we all got together and got shit-faced and got thrown out of <laughs> the restaurant, you know, and then we ended up at the Rainbow. Uh, but then we got to know each other and then we talked about the shoot and then I got the girls at this Jim South modeling agencies where these girls come in and they spin around and they take up their clothes and you pick them out. And, and so I knew it was going to be a fun shoot and the band got there they brought their motorcycles, they brought the, their candelabras and, you know, to have this persona like shown to the world like this, like no other band has done before it just set the stage for who they were and who they are. And, you know, it just, we became instantly like friends. It was fun. Oh, man. I haven't seen Car- Carmen Apice's got his rock confessions photo too. I actually remember that, that cover too. So man, these are just, yeah. incredible. man, you did an incredible job. I mean, this is uh, just any, any fan of this genre of metal rock, the eighties, whatever, like, it's unbelievable yeah. what you captured and how you put this all together and all the artists that have come out just saying great things about this book and you and what you've done. This is awesome. Yeah, We're this, excited. Uh, I mean, this is, I can't wait to get a copy to, you know, hard copy. So I have it, <laughs> so. but Mark, uh, we'll let you get going, but, uh, Hey, thanks a lot, man. It's, um, like Mark says, great work. Uh, we've been looking at this for 35 years. I grew up on it, lasting impression memories and, Whenever it's a creative process, uh, your work will stand the test of time, and it's a credit to you. I want to thank you for yeah. uh, your work. Thanks. Thanks. And I also, I also have uh, on the YouTube channel, I have a, a little series that I started. It's called The Weiss Guys. It's about these two guys from the 80s that never grew up, and they stalked me. And I have special guests on it. Like uh, on this first episode, we have uh, Chips Enough and Brian Wheat from Tesla. And it's these two guys that sneak backstage and they stalk me. And, you know, it's a, it's like a 12 minute little, little episodic adventure that I'm, I'm working on. So that's, that's fun. And I got, I got a skateboard line coming out with some of my images and also uh, a shirt that's going to be uh, women's shirts and uh, like some of the high fashion boutique stores. So, you know, we're tr- trying to carry on the decade and, and, you know, brand it as it should be. Mark, thank you so much. We uh, really appreciate your time. And uh, once again, great job with this book. It's it's pretty awesome. All right. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Take care, bud. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Metal for Life. Thanks for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our websites at MetalMayhemROC.com and MetalForever.com for information on upcoming concerts, podcasts, archives, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 